today I thought we'd take it all the way to the beginning of my journey with substance use. Welcome back to the Anxious Therapist Podcast, a safe space where we believe vulnerability is the key to happiness. I have serious butterflies in my stomach right now, and I am just like on a loop in my brain going, are you really about to divulge all of this information to the world? And yeah, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. We're going to do it scared. We're going to do it messy. Because, man, did I wish I had this over the last 10 years. The reality of someone's journey with substance use and where it began, what it looked like from the very beginning. And I needed that guidance. And I'm hoping that you will benefit from this too. So to set the stage, I feel like it's important you know that I grew up in the Midwest, Wisconsin, to be exact, and all of my fellow Wisconsinites will likely be able to relate to this because, oh boy, do we have our own kind of culture in Wisconsin. Um, We just do things a little bit differently, and... My life was greatly impacted by that. So this is um, not a hateful podcast episode. This is not a resentful or even angry, right? This is just the reality of my upbringing and something that I want to be really honest about. Um, So we set the stage. I'm a child growing up in Wisconsin, and this is the early 90s, okay? So... Things were a little bit different then all around, uh, but when I tell you that I grew up in bars, I mean that shit. I don't mean Applebee's. I don't mean a bar and grill or like a restaurant that has a bar in it. I mean literal hole-in-the-wall bars in northern Wisconsin. We grew up on candy cigarettes and those orange push pops, ice creams, and pizzas, <laughs> pizza fries from the bar. We drank our root beers and cream sodas um, out of what looked like beer bottles, right? And we played Pac-Man in the back of the bar. We uh, would run around outside, but I grew up in the bars, Um, the bartenders knew me, I would go behind the bars, you know, me and my brother and my cousins, we would all be running around, hanging out in the bar together, uh, from as early as I can remember until I was a grown adult. Okay. This is, this was just a thing that we did. Now, maybe that part doesn't sound so weird to you. Um, but A huge part of my childhood was being raised by my grandparents, my grandma primarily, uh, before my grandpa retired. And she looked after us, you know, she got us on the bus for school every day. Uh, 
she took us on weekends and for weeks on end during the summer and my grandparents drank okay um and their parents before them drank and that was the norm so i'm if i'm with my grandparents like we're probably not to say that <laughs> they didn't like you know also cook for us and you know keep us home and stuff but there was a good chance that if it was a weekend or it was the summer, we were going to go to the bar um, in the afternoons and spend the evening there. And that's a weird thing, thinking about it now, but it wasn't weird then. Um, you know, I was eight, right? Running around, um, hanging out with my cousins and my brother. You know, I, I didn't think twice about it. Because no one was telling me, hey, you're just a kid. You probably shouldn't be in a bar. And I'm not seeing things like bar fights or like, I don't probably know what people being drunk was quite yet. Um, although that came soon after. And so it, it really like at the time was not harming me. You know, we would go eat pizza, hang out, put songs on the jukebox, Right, but I was exposed environmentally to alcohol my entire life, literally. So now you know I have a genetic predisposition because alcoholism runs in generations and generations and generations of my family. But I was also environmentally exposed. And now that's important to consider because even having one of those factors. <laughs> is a big deal in the way you perceive substances, but I have both working against me, okay? So I grew up in bars. That was my norm. By the time I was 12 years old, I was drinking. Um, not heavily, not um, problematic, Right, I was a three-sport athlete. I played sports year-round. But we'd be hanging out, be summer, um, and I'd be drinking bottles of Boone's Farm. Now, yes, that's low alcohol content, right? But we're not going to minimize the fact that I was 12. I was 12. Uh, that means I was starting to drink in about the seventh grade. And I started to create a little bit of an alter ego in my brain. It's <laughs> like, okay, on the one side, you have this goodie who gets a 4.0, plays all these sports, doesn't cause her parents any issues, is all around a really great kid. Right, everyone tells her how mature she is, how fun she is to be around, how responsible. You know, that's how people would have described me. Now, very few people knew that I was drinking, but I used it as this fun little secret to um, brag to my friends or to flirt with boys. Right, you all go through that bad boy era, and you're chatting with guys, and I'd be like, "Yeah, 
I could drink with you and I could hold my own and blah, blah, blah. Um, which you're texting them from your parents' phone, first of all, or you're chatting with them on AOL, like so <laughs> 2005. Um, but that was my reality. And it stayed that way. Um, just the occasional drinking, uh, you know, New Year's parties, not anything crazy. But I have this really vivid memory of pretending to be super intoxicated. So I was drinking with a cousin and a friend and we're staying up all night and I vividly remember acting as if I was absolutely blasted and I don't know why. Like still to this day, I'm like, why was I wearing that as like a badge of honor? You know, that's so cool that I'm like really wasted. Um, but you know, who knows what a 14 year old's thinking, right? And I think a huge part of that stayed with me. Um, because as soon as I graduated from high school that summer after was wild, man. It was wild. Um, a lot of my uh, promiscuous ways started that summer after, and it was always under the influence. Um, oh, uh-huh, Jacqueline's a good time. Goes out on the weekends, gets blasted, um, makes out with guys at parties who she doesn't even know the names of, and, you know, is messaging with all these people, and, like, I have to tell you, like, my stomach is just, like, right now. Um, just doing this like mental download where I'm like, that's not who I am anymore. And I was clearly struggling through some things. I just have to like check in with myself really quick. And obviously it progressed when I went to college and that became my identity. I was clearly undiagnosed anxiety, undiagnosed depression, uh, undiagnosed and unresolved childhood traumas. And I was great at masking all of that by drinking to the extreme, like in excess every time. Blackouts were a norm for me. Waking up with mysterious bruises from God knows what. Um, drinking to cure a hangover the next day, you know, all of those things. That was normal. That was like, oh, we're just having a good time, right? And it became my identity. Like I was known as being the wild party girl. And I just embraced it. Yep, this is who I am. I'm always down to have a good time. And it wasn't until grad school, um, you know, the end of college, grad school, that I was like, girl, what are you doing? And this is after numerous conversations um, with my dad being like, you don't get to be reckless with alcohol. Uh, You need to be careful with what you're doing. And like, 
you know, parents always know more than we think that they do. But to this day, I don't know that my dad knows the extent to which I was struggling with alcohol. But I heard, I heard what he was saying. And even though I wasn't ready to receive it, I was hearing the message. And so when I finally started trying to evaluate, like, what are you doing with your life? What is the deal with alcohol? You need to slow down. I had a really hard time with that. I had a really hard time admitting to myself that it was a problem. Um, because when you're constantly receiving the message from your peers that you're so fun. Oh my gosh, you were such a good time. You're so fun to be around. It makes for such good laughs and fun stories. Like, don't even worry about it. We all do embarrassing shit when we're drunk. Like, ha ha ha. Remember that time you did blank? blank. When you're receiving so much external validation that it's normal and it's fun and you didn't do anything wrong, it makes you feel a little crazy because you're like, man, I don't know if this is, is this having fun, right? Is blacking out and, and sleeping on the bathroom floor and puking and making dumb decisions, like, is that really fun? Am I having fun with this? But I was confused. Seems like everyone else is having a good time. All right, well. So I dabbled back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And through many years of therapy and exploration, you all know where I'm at now with being two years sober and planning to maintain that for as long as I can see into the future. Because I've realized that alcohol does not serve me. Um, it's like being allergic to strawberries, but you really like them and they're fun to eat. So like occasionally you'll just like get out your EpiPen, but like have the strawberry anyway. When, why would you have the strawberry? You would just be like, no, I can't have that. I'm allergic to it. But yeah, I really like them, so it sucks, right? Well, yeah, like I really love a good glass of wine. Yeah, I really love, you know, cracking a cold one on a hot day and just hanging out. Yeah, I, I think that's great. But I'm sick of the fucking EpiPen, you know? I'm sick of having the consequences of my alcohol use. Uh, so for me, being alcohol-free is so fucking important. I am not, although it's hard to talk about, like I really am not ashamed of the shit that I went through and the things that I did and the poor choices I made and my relationship with alcohol. I'm very much now at peace with it. And my nightmares would say differently, you know, subconsciously, I'm very much still struggling with it because at night I'm still getting intoxicated apparently in my sleep. Um, and I'm having these wild dreams where I am drunk and making poor choices and I wake up sweating and being like, oh my God, did I actually drink? And then I have to talk myself down like, no, you were fucking sleeping. 
there's not even alcohol in the house. Like you didn't, (laughs) you didn't drink. Um, so subconsciously, I think I'm still struggling with it, but like sitting here right now talking about it and like reliving my whole life with my relationship with alcohol, I am at peace. And I could never say that before when I was drinking. Something always felt wrong about it. I would literally work myself up. The past, you know, prior to being sober, prior to getting pregnant with Lars, any time prior to that, that I would be going out for drinks or getting together with friends or going to social settings, I would literally get physically ill. Not like, oh, I had a beer and I have an intolerance to gluten, so it made me sick. No, I was making myself sick because I was so stressed out about my relationship with alcohol. Does that feel fun to you? Does that feel normal? Does that feel like something that I would want to keep in my life? Absolutely fucking not. So when I receive that external pressure to be, oh, don't be a buzzkill or, oh, just have one. That doesn't shake me anymore because you don't know what I feel like on the inside. Oh, you're allergic to strawberries? Oh, just have one. It'll be fine. Just this once. No, that is not how alcohol and I vibe. So all of this to say, all of me putting myself out there and being this vulnerable with you and sharing my story from the beginning. You are not alone. And if you are exploring your relationship with misusing prescription meds or fucking weed or, you know, meth or fentanyl or heroin or Lord knows what else. Okay, I I literally don't care what the substance is. If you are struggling with something, you're doing fucking whippets. I don't, whatever it is, you are not alone. And I hear you and I see you. And I see the internal struggle, but I also see the way society and your peers and your family impacts your use. And it's important I mean, it's fucking the most important thing that we have safe spaces to explore our feelings and our relationship to these substances. And I want to be that for you. So please reach out. Please let me know where you're at, if you can relate to this. If this is a journey that you've been on as well, or something that you're curious about and you'd like some guidance in exploring. I've got you. That was wild. I'm like so proud of myself right now for putting that out there. And I'm even more proud of you for sharing in this moment with me. This space is everything and I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you a million times over. I love you, and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.